What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another conversation with a content marketer that is bringing it. We've got one today. This is Hibba. Hibba is with Soapbox, and she taught me a lot. Man, talk about how to grow a newsletter subscriber list. Do you have a newsletter? Do you want to grow one? Are you building one? This is a conversation you will not want to miss. If you like what you're hearing on the 3C Podcast, hit that subscribe button, leave me a review, tell me how I am doing. Follow us at the Juice HQ. What else we got? Oh yeah, join our waitlist. Link in the show notes. You can go to thejuicehq.com. You're going to receive our newsletter each and every week. Handpicked, curated content. You can't beat that. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am excited for this conversation today. I'm here with a marketer that I met via a former guest on the 3C Podcast, Dom Kent. You all listen to that episode, him and his hot marketing takes. Um, I'm still thinking about but when we got connected, he, I was asking him, and this is typically what I do. I say, hey, who else do you know who is talking and thinking about marketing in kind of this new progressive way? And he connected me with Hibba. Hibba is a marketer at Soapbox. We had a chance to chop it up uh, a week ago before this recording and just asking some questions and trying to learn more about where her head's at in terms of marketing, what she's doing at Soapbox. And I think there's a lot of topics for us to unpack in this one that'll help all of you out. But without further ado, how are you doing, Hiba? I am doing great. How are you? No complaints. We, <laughs> we just we just talked. You just came back from a vacation. So maybe share with the audience because we're, we're all out there stuck in our homes <laughs> yearning for a vacation right now. So share with the audience uh, what that vacation was like and what you did. Yeah. I mean, my partner and I, we decided to say screw it to Toronto and being in the big city during COVID and a pandemic because that just sucked. So moved out to Canmore in the Rocky Mountains up in Canada and so have been loving it ever since. So we just took a week off to do some cross-country skiing, go to some remote areas and let our dog run free. So it was awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. A little refresh and recharge never hurt anybody, especially in the marketing space, it's like the, the priorities always mount. I, I want to talk a little bit about just like, maybe just starting off with connecting with industry peers. Obviously, we didn't know each other prior to this chat. We were connected through someone via a Slack group. It's like this whole new wave of like how you meet people. I'm curious just on your end, like this kind of networking and public meeting people, on social media or in Slack groups, like what's your approach to that? Like, and, and just your, your mentality when it comes to meeting new marketers? Yeah. I mean, the Slack groups for sure have been a huge opportunity for me. I've been a part of, you know, the donut chats that have kind of happened in a couple of the content groups that I'm a part of. I took a course called grow class and that's another awesome community all around growth marketing. But beyond that, you know, I'm not really shy to just message someone on LinkedIn, for example, who I, you know, have been admiring for a bit from afar. And I'm like, you know what, I have some questions I can ask this person. What's the worst they can say? No. And for the most part, most people are so eager to help and chat and meet. And beyond that, you know, rediscovered Twitter and actually found so much value. And it's really fun now that, you know, I'm part of some like little micro community. And so 
Yeah. When I, when my brain switched from just posting on Twitter to actually going into the replies and talking to people and continuing those relationships, it just changed everything. And that's, that might've been how I met Dom. It's definitely how we stay connected pretty heavily now, at least. I can't remember how we met, but yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of all over the place and I, I just love meeting marketers. I think there's so much to learn about so many different areas from all these different people. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think you are the you and along with uh, several others have referenced his Twitter account as, and that wouldn't surprise me. A lot of people meet him there. He's very active, but I agree with you. I think, you know, it's not just about posting like your hot takes or what you want your audience to see. It's engaging with other people. And it seems to me the way the Twitter algorithms work, it's like the more you're having conversations and replying to people, your feed is going to be curated with more marketers and then there's an opportunity to learn. learn. So I think there's definitely a value in connecting with people through Twitter. And I love the fact that you just reach out to people on LinkedIn and say, Hey, what's <laughs> up? Like I'm learning this stuff. Can you answer my questions? <laughs> Maybe we talk about uh, soapbox. I'd love to know just from the, the share with the audience, like what so, Soapbox is, who's the audience you serve and maybe your role within the company? Yeah. So I guess, you know, pre-Soapbox for me, I thought I knew how to run a good one-on-one as a direct report, came to Soapbox, that was completely shifted and turned on, on its head. You know, I always went into one-on-ones, for example, just going, wanting to talk about status updates and prove to my manager, like, hey, I've did all this work. I've done all this work. Let me tell you about it. And coming to Soapbox, I learned that that's not really what you should be doing. Like that's an awesome opportunity for you to talk about, you know, your career growth, about strategy, about, you know, just personal growth within whether it's your specific field, like marketing for me, or, you know, just about like, Hey, there's this course I really want to take, or here's where I want to be in a year and a half from now. And can we make this work within our company? And so Soapbox kind of just helps facilitate a lot of those conversations between managers and employees where you know you can have team meetings or one-on-ones or kickoff meetings, whatever it is, where there's an agenda and you don't go in and you trail off for you know a half hour doing this impromptu brainstorming session that you know not everyone has to be there for, or it's just kind of like sitting there waiting for the meeting to end. So it kind of helps make meetings, you know, have less of them, but also make them enjoyable when you do actually have them and kind of work for everyone. But my position at Soapbox, I've been operating as a marketing team of one for about, uh, I guess, since COVID hit. So since quarantine hit, uh, we had some unfortunate times at Soapbox. We had a term sheet pulled last minute. So instead of getting this fun announcement, we you know laid off half of our company. And so we've actually finally just reached a point where you know we're hiring like crazy again. And it's super exciting, especially coming back from vacation. We have four new roles opened. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is awesome. So yeah, anything that touches marketing, anything that touches growth, I'm either leading or I'm supporting. That That's awesome. Definitely a, a, a tool that I think anyone listening could benefit from. A more organized one-on-one meeting is always a good thing. I'm definitely curious, you know, a, a lot of people have been in companies that have been impacted by the pandemic and have had to be adaptable and shift maybe roles and responsibilities do more as a marketer of one, which is something like there, there have been times in my career, I can relate with this, but like, how do you focus your, your energy around the brand side, around the demand side? Like what's your mentality when, when it, when it comes into, you're getting some support, but like, what have you been doing to 
to, to balance all of these initiatives and priorities? Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to just what your organization goals are. And for us, you know, the thing, the goals that I have the most stake in and I'm the most responsible for, for example, is, you know, weekly signups that we get into the platform. So, you know, having one big kind of focus and one main goal really helps prioritize. So, you know, for us, it's less about posting on social media and building this brand and community, which I think is super important, but as a team of one, you really have to focus where your time is spent. And so for me, it's like looking at all of our numbers and we look at our numbers every week. And the reason being is for us, that gives us 52 chances to correct the ship versus if we look at them quarterly, we have four chances to kind of say, oh, this actually went wrong. This wasn't good for us. So why waste three months on that? And so that's been really helpful is just looking every week, this campaign did really well and this one didn't do so well. Let's scrap that and keep doing this, keep doing that first campaign. So for me, the biggest thing for us has been content. That's the biggest driver of signups, of of traffic, of paid users, like kind of just everything. 80% of that is coming through content. And so luckily for me, content was where I started at Soapbox before layoffs. I was like, all right, this is where my skills lie. And this is where, you know, we're getting the most bang for our buck. So why not focus on that for a year, build it out a bit more. And then ideally this year we'll hire some more and I can kind of go and test that new strategy or channel. So I think just being hyper-focused on one specific goal and determining maybe three or four ways to get to that goal, that's been really helpful for me. And so, yeah, it kind of helped. We launched a goals feature last year and that just helped me completely focus on that as well and kind of eat our own dog food in a sense, because all of the content now I'm producing is all around goal setting. And, and so I'm kind of have to live in that world as well, luckily for me. So kind of all the things I'm writing, I'm applying directly to my job and to the marketing strategy, um, which is really cool. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so have you, uh, you know, you said you, you kind of, you were doing content before and then now, like you kind of touch a lot of different things, but content's a very big piece of it. Have you found in just like gaining more of the functions within marketing, you have a better understanding for like the power of content and like the distribution component of content? Or were you as a like a content marketer before thinking about, all right, I'm going to publish this piece and now I know what to do with that. Or has it been like an evolution in just as you have been a marketing team of one or just talk to me a little bit about just like how that's gone for you? Yeah, I I definitely think I've just evolved like crazy in the last year and a bit. I remember when COVID hit and, you know, lost half, like lost the marketing team pretty much except me. And I had just been so focused on like, create this piece of content, distribute it. And that's kind of my job and make, build a rhythm out of that. But when it suddenly turned into like you own marketing and you own the strategy, you know, I was really overwhelmed. And so posted on LinkedIn and scheduled around 40 calls with people who I was like, are you a marketing leader? Are you a team of one? Like, I want to talk to you because I have no clue what I'm doing. Like I am, I'm just living in this world of chaos. Like, how do I prioritize? How do I do my job? Like, what is my job? I don't know. And so kind of moving from there and, you know, learning from other people and how they prioritize and it, Again, it all just kind of went down to what are your goals and what can you do to achieve those goals faster? And so it went from me thinking about just publish a piece of content, distribute it, look at the rankings, look at the keywords to now shifting into like what pieces drive the most signups, what pieces drive the most revenue to the company, because these are the things that matter. And what are the distribution you know, pieces or strategies maybe that we can kind of leverage that have worked in the past to increase signups from those pieces, to increase 
revenue. And so at that point, it's less about like, we're ranking for, you know, a thousand keywords. And now it's like, we're ranking higher for these specific ones. And I feel like, you know, switching from that mindset of just publishing and seeing the rankings from, I guess, maybe such a little micro scale, and now looking at it from, you know, the whole strategy and how marketing is impacting all of the company and all of the funnel, like from awareness all the way down to like, maybe not awareness, but like actually getting to revenue and retention. That's been a really weird shift that I have been waiting to get. And I don't know if it was just like this light bulb that happened when I was finally put in a position where I had to, you know, I own the numbers as opposed to owning a subset of them. And so, yeah, I don't know if there's any magic thing I can tell anyone. It's just try and dive your dive deep into like your marketing into marketing numbers as opposed to just yours, because I think that's going to give you a bigger appreciation of how you can impact the bigger picture. I love it. I think you gain an appreciation for your peers and the different functions that they're in by spending some time in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this last year and this experience has given you the opportunity to kind of see the, the full funnel and each piece and how it all works together. One of the things that I want to talk about, because this is this, this is the part where it's like, I, I, I definitely am interested to learn from you is to hear about your newsletter. Because when we chatted before, I don't know how it came up, but we ta- started talking about newsletters and I started saying, well, yeah, we, you know, we're, we're launching our company and we started a newsletter and you were like, yeah, we we're doing one too. And, you know, it's seen some really good growth. And I was like, well, what kind of growth? And you're like, well, it's gone from, uh, you know, like zero to 70,000 people. And I was like, like the record scratch it like stopped. And I was like, huh, tell me <laughs> about that. So I love, I know newsletters are hot. They're like old, but then they're new again. Everyone's doing them. So I'd love to get you to maybe unpack like, how did the newsletter start? Like, what's the why behind it? And then just the things you have done within building it to develop the growth that it, it's at today. Yeah. So I definitely inherited the newsletter when I started at Soapbox, but you know, I feel like at any company, it's just something that makes sense. It's a great distribution channel for content. It's a great way to keep, you know, top of mind with a lot of your customers, but also with prospects. But for us, in terms of how we grew it, you know, at Soapbox, Every user that signs up for a product gets pushed into the newsletter stream, just like any other product. But also we have, you know, obviously people coming through the blog as well. And for me, I think the growth was really cool because we don't have any forms on our website. Like we don't have eBooks that we push to say, download this eBook and then, you know, put them in a newsletter stream or join this webinar, whatever that is. And so I think the biggest thing for us in terms of growth is we produce a lot of content around agenda templates, around things that are super close to our product. And so it's not necessarily awareness content. I think that's somewhere we're a little weaker in, but kind of going from that middle to bottom, you know, we were able to target just this crazy number of keywords of people looking for a sales meeting agenda template or marketing or, you know, one-on-one and remote one-on-one and all of these, all sorts of like the list goes on. But all of these people also really love the newsletter because then they get this continuous stream of similar content around you know, whether it's meeting management, whether it's communication in the workplace, psychological safety, like all of these things that you would expect to happen in a workplace or want to learn about to kind of improve your relationship with your peers, with your manager, with your direct reports. And so for us, you know, we've reached a point where we're signing up around 500 people or 500 companies, sorry, a week to the platform. And it's kind of crazy. And all of these people typically, you know, if they don't retain on the product, they certainly retain on the newsletter. And I think the biggest change that we've done that I think has been the most impactful to our numbers around open rates and click-through rates and so on 
was in, in the process of me taking row class, I was going through one of the modules and one of the examples was an email that I absolutely love, which is a product email that comes from Grammarly, which kind of benchmarks you to say, you've written 90,000 words this week. You're in the ninth percentile or 91st percentile or whatever. And I remember just always getting those emails and it fired me up to not only use their product again, but I was just like super excited because I wanted to know my stats. And so I kind of wanted to replicate that for Soapbox because another goal that we have is increasing you know, our monthly active users. And so for me, I was like, how can marketing help push that number up? Um, how can we get our users back into the product? And so, you know, I didn't have too many resources to build something as crazy and personalized as Grammarly. But what we have done is, you know, every other week, I'll go through all of our data. We have this bank of suggested questions to add to your team or one-on-one meetings of like over 500 questions. And so I'll go in and I'll see the trends this month. So in the past 30 days, these questions were asked 500% more than the last month. And these questions are asked less. And every time we send this email, I get four or five emails back, which like, I feel like, I don't know if I'm doing marketing wrong, but in the mo- for the most part, it's not really something that people kind of reply to. So the fact that people keep replying and uh, say like, oh, I'm, I add these questions to my agenda every other week. Like I love these coming through. And for me, that's just like, you're hitting exactly what the customers want. And a lot of that kind of stemmed from just being relentless about talking to customers and learning from them. And so we hope we have about, I don't know, five or six customer calls a month that I'm a part of. And then the rest of the team, you know, goes a little bit crazier from product engineering to customer success. And so learning that customers love our suggested question bank that kind of indicated this is what we should be doing next. And this is what we should be promoting both to get people back into the app, but also get more people to sign up. And again, this is all going back to that main goal of how can we increase signups and now how can we increase monthly average users? And so hopefully, yeah, long, long answer short, I guess. So, 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 (laughs) so much fire in that one. I love it. You know, the, the ability to recognize an experience that you have had with a product like Grammarly and that email and taking that example and looking at it and saying, how can I make this happen in maybe not as a robust way, but in some way to my day-to-day and what we're doing at Soapbox, I think is is a call out. I think another call out is like, you're. I don't care what you're doing, you're doing something right if you're getting people to respond to an email and say that. So that's super cool. Like, And those are the moments I think just and what we do in a day-to-day that matter. Those are those experiences that your customers are getting that kind of, it's like a tip of the cap to the marketer. It's like, I see you and uh, we appreciate that. So hopefully out there, anyone listening is writing down because those are some good nuggets. And I just wanted to like overemphasize them. I don't want to look past something else you said though. You, you mentioned like, you kind of just like brushed over it and you just said, yeah, well, we don't have forms on our website. We don't do gated content, whatever. I I think that's like a philosophy thing. And I think, you know, that a lot of more progressive marketers are thinking about coming from a place of abundance, giving more and not necessarily putting obstacles in the way. So maybe talk to me about like that decision-making at Soapbox and why you're doing things that way. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I don't think we necessarily do a lot of eBooks. Like we don't have really any eBooks. We have guides, but those are all public or open source, I guess I should say. And I guess two parts to that. So the first one is, you know, from my own personal preference, 
I find that sometimes I go to download a piece of information. I see some of it on a landing page and then I go into that ebook or whatever, looking for that one piece of information and I can't find it. And that's just, you know, copy from the landing page to entice someone to come in. And for me, that's super frustrating. And so not to say that that's something that's really common practice, but I just, it irks me and I don't want to ever put someone else in that position with our brand. And that's the first part. And I think also just because someone downloads an ebook, it doesn't necessarily mean they want to get an email from you every week or other week. And, and I think that's not really a fair assumption to make. And I, I know that it's a great way to, you know, keep people engaged and, and all sorts of all of that, but I would rather them just come back to our website or find us in another, you know, cute, like search or social or whatever that is, find us where they found us initially. And if they like that stuff enough, they'll sign up, they'll join the newsletter. They'll kind of take that onus on themselves because I don't want to be the brand that, you know, clutters someone's inbox. I would rather be the brand that people look forward to um, getting an email from. And so that's the first part. And the second part, I think, at least on the ebook front, you know, we produced one, re- one major report back in 2019. We did a big survey around how managers approach one-on-ones. And the biggest learning I had from that was, you know, we built this beautiful PDF and I was so excited and it was like so long and so much data and information. And we got a lot of backlinks from it. But when we were about to do the second one, and unfortunately we didn't actually get to finish it, I just looked and I was like, why didn't we just build this on a web page? Why did we build this on a PDF? There's so many opportunities at this point for people to link back to this directly to the section that, you know, they wanted to. There is so many potential keywords we could have, or, you know, search traffic that we could have captured had we built this on a web page that was open for Google to crawl. And so I think that's two parts. And, and we kind of did that when we released a big one-on-one guide was let's just put it on a web, like a, an actual web page. I'm not going to make this into a PDF. It's going to cost a lot of money which we don't have from a budget perspective to build this beautiful PDF that is going to be hard to find on search, I think, to an extent. But it's also like, I don't know, I'm also just against gating. I'm sure this will change in the future as we kind of build a more robust marketing funnel. But I think for us, the bigger difference is we don't have a sales team either. So it's not like there's this massive pressure on the marketing team to produce this list of leads and send them and get MQLs and, and, and do all of this crazy stuff to, to build into the sales funnel. So, you know, I think I'm fortunate to be at a product-led company because the customers can go through their own journey. They kind of sign up for the product. They go through the trial. If they like it. They upsell themselves. And so I think I'm lucky in that regard where I don't have to rely on, oh, I'm losing my voice, where I don't have to kind of rely on, you know, I would say, I guess, more traditional marketing methods in that sense. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I love it. And I think of everything I've heard you say in this conversation has been like, the, the overarching theme has been like customer first and customer centric and these customer touch points that you're making and not making them jump through a bunch of obstacles to do certain things, but provide value. So maybe we close with this one. I'm curious, just like overall, so many people talk about like, oh yeah, we're customer focused, we're customer centric. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, are you just saying that? So I'm curious, like your mentality at Soapbox, when you say like, I'm focused on the customer, you've talked a lot about like some things and tactics and experiences you're creating, but like, what does that mean for you long-term? And like, how are you keeping that top of mind? Yeah, hundred percent. I think in the past I've I've definitely thought I was customer centric and now I realize that I really wasn't. 
I think in past companies, I always waited for customer success or a salesperson to put me in touch with a customer to talk to them. And I thought if I got this testimonial, if I got did this case study, I will know the customer. And that's not the case at all. I think it helps to an extent, but I think just having really, I don't know, raw conversations with customers, like we go in and we have customer calls around, you know, how they found us, which for the most part, a lot of people won't remember and that's okay. But you know, what pain pain points did they solve with Soapbox? What pain points is Soapbox creating for them? And that's kind of Intel for product. And so three, four months before we launched our goals, our new goals feature, I was part of maybe 20 to 30 customer calls. We were showing them mock-ups. We were showing them like, you know, sharing what our thought process was. And we were asking, you know, just more in-depth questions around like, how do you see yourself using this? Do you even see yourself using this? And if not, why? And if so, what do you think, how you, do you think you're going to use it? How do you describe this if you refer this to a friend? And just things like that. And for the most part, those customer calls completely generated the copy for you know our library that we built, for our landing page, for how we promote it on social media and the newsletter and how we talk about this feature. And so I think when you will live in such a bubble of your product, of your space, it's really easy to get caught up in like, this is what our product does. This is who it serves. And this is why people use us. And you actually talk to customers, there's this whole other world of whether it's like actual language that they're using to the actual usage and why people are using it and why people might use a competitor over you. And I think that it helps you break out of this little silo that is marketing and helps you think about the actual product, about the support service, just about all these different things. And you know, a blessing in disguise after our layoffs was we didn't have a dedicated support person. So, you know, myself, we have a our UX designer, we have our product manager, we have a couple engineers, our customer success managers, we're all on support. So we're all talking to customers daily, both around, you know, their frustrations in the product, but also things they love and, and reading every single NPS score that comes in. We have a Slack channel that pushes everything into. So we're constantly just seeing customers, whether it's bad rating or good rating or, you know, neutral we're seeing and reading everything and we're actually implementing it. And not only does it drive, you know, our product roadmap, it drives marketing strategy. It drives the content that I'm going to produce. And so this is the most customer centric I have been in my entire career. And I think it's really impacting our results. And that's kind of why I, I highlighted, you know, suggested questions as a piece of the newsletter, because there could have been so many other things we could have done. But that was kind of a recurring theme was our customers continue to say, I love the question bank because I don't have to think about the questions I'm going to ask my employees. There's just a list. There's a library I can pick from. And then we have cool conversation that we haven't had before. And so surfacing that experience for more people is just really exciting and it's working. So I don't know. <laughs> and it's working. I love it. This is this is a customer centric content marketer. That's for <laughs> that's for damn sure. Um, so people can go to the website. What do you want to plug? Newsletter. Share something with the audience. I think you know if you want to run better meetings, we have an agenda templates library that's pretty awesome, and we're always looking for contributions. And we have a goal examples library that we launched that you know has over two hundred goal examples now. And for any marketer, we add backlinks to your homepage if you contribute. And it's awesome. I don't know. We're just crowdsourcing information to disseminate to leaders and individual contributors. 
and we'd love to be for you to be a part of it. That's awesome. That is a marketer <laughs> who understands her audience. Hiba, thank you so much. Uh, I learned a ton here. I hope the audience did too. And uh, I'll have to have you back on to talk more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Newsletters, baby. Everyone is talking about newsletters and Hiba just brought it on how she grew that thing. Man, that is super impressive and I learned a ton. Hopefully you learned a ton too. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Enjoy the weekend. We're here. It's awesome. Talk to you on Monday.